DCFM Newswire. Get involved in the conversation on Facebook and on Twitter at DCFM News. So Donald Trump is the 45th President of the United States, but Hillary Clinton had been tipped early on at 11, 12 o'clock. The New York Times had her 80, 85% winner. Hugh Linnan is the culture editor with the Irish Times and was covering the election last night. Hi Hugh, how are you? Hi Dom. First of all, Hugh, have you gotten any sleep? I've just woken up from two and a half hours of deep sleep in which I have to admit I had some pretty bad dreams. Yeah, I, I did myself now. Uh, just point us towards um, the polls. Clinton was, I won't say it was streets ahead, but certainly in the New York Times predictor that we were all gazing at all night pretty much, she was streets ahead for a little while and then started to drop away. Yeah, I think I think we need to distinguish a little bit between different kinds of polls. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been sort of semi-obsessively following, you know, the, the various opinion polls over the course of the campaign over the last two months or so, certainly since the party conventions. I, I wonder now, was I just wasting my time and I learn a lesson for the next time not to pay remotely so much attention to them. But there is a, there was, particularly in the American media, there was a huge focus on these polls. And you have sites such as the New York Times with the Upshot or Nate Silver's 538 that were just solely uh, devoted to running podcasts and analyses on what those polls meant. And you remember those, there were the swings to Hillary at the, after the first debate, there was the swing back to, to Trump, supposedly at the time of the, when the FBI emails thing was resurrected. And then uh, Clinton again was supposed to flatten out. So you have those polls. And then you have the exit polls, which you were referring to last night, which at the outset uh, appeared to show that things were looking pretty good for Clinton, that there'd been a high turnout from, uh, from uh, um, Hispanics, that uh, some of the other core Clinton groups had turned up at the polls in key states such as Florida. And then you're quite right, as the evening went on, uh, the, and the actual numbers started coming in, those exit polls started coming into, into question and into disrepute, and I think you're right, people will be asking questions about them. The first thing to say is I think the Brexit comparison is very interesting. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, the, egg, the, the shortcomings of exit polls were illustrated in both cases. I mean, a lot of people remember actually going to bed thinking that Britain was going to remain in the in the EU, waking up six hours later discovering that Britain was going to be leaving the EU. And that was the initial thing, was on the, on the basis of exit polls, which even convinced Nigel Farage uh, of UKIP that, that they had lost that, that particular vote. So there are clearly problems with exit polls because we saw again the same thing last night, that all the signs were uh, at the start of the evening that, that Clinton was in front up to and including, you know, a, a point where a tweet from Kellyanne Conway, uh, Trump's campaign manager, seemed to indicate that she felt it was going to, wasn't going to be a good night for Trump. So there's something deeply wrong with the process of exit polls. Just to explain, exit polls traditionally have supposedly been by far the most accurate of polls. They got a much higher uh, number of people are sampled than in regular opinion polls. That you're talking to people who have actually voted. They're they're taken for a number of reasons, not just to keep us excited at ten o'clock at night when the polls have closed. Although that's the way most of us seen them. They're used to kind of conduct deep research with people who have actually voted about why they voted, about what they think about politics, about whether they changed, to get demographic information on them. So they're used for a whole load of kind of long-term information, which political parties then use to plan their strategies and their programs and so on in the in, in, in the years to come. Well, clearly something has gone terribly wrong with that exit poll process. I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but you know we'll, we'll have to come back to that. But uh, to me, that's not the most important thing because people just being a little bit misled between 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock at night is not the real significant issue here. The real significant issue is that uh, of the course of this campaign, 
virtually every respectable polling organization and every uh, group which aggregated and analyzed the numbers which they produced had Hillary Clinton ahead to a greater or a lesser extent. And that lead over the course, it was actually quite a stable lead, really. It varied, despite all the kind of high drama along the course of the campaign, it varied between about three points ahead for Clinton and seven or eight or nine points ahead for Clinton. So she was in that range, and that is not how it turned out. Now, a couple of things I just want to say about uh, about that. One is that uh, the comparison with Brexit is not quite so good here because Brexit showed, I think, more accurately that that race was too tough to call right up until the end. And I think any reasonable analysis of what happened with Brexit and the, the, the pre-vote polls is that there was a kind of establishment inertia or there was a wishful thinking went on that people thought uh, for some unexplained reason, including myself, I should say, um, People thought that that people would that the electorate would see sense in the last couple of days, and that would be sufficient to swing it back towards Remain. In this case, though, there's a lot of deeper questions because you're talking about national polls, and in a way, the national poll is not as bad as the rest of them. The national poll in the U.S. Uh, I, I think we're going to see, by the way, we're going to have another one of these weird situations that will be confirmed today after all the votes have counted. That Clinton will have won the election if it were held on the basis of the popular vote, we would have lost it in the case of the Electoral College. So she'll probably have won the popular vote from somewhere between a half percent to one percent. So you could argue, possibly, that that's somewhat within the margin of error, which polling companies say, you know, depending on, on various factors, where it can run up to two percent or maybe even a little bit more, that you can be wrong in one, one direction or another. Just but on all the... these states, sorry, just to say, just... all these states were wrong. I'll let you in back in a sec. So many states were wrong that it raises a fundamental question. You know, the state-level polls in places like Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, Virginia, something went deeply wrong there. Just on those, exit, uh, on those uh, electoral votes, it, is that kind of proving the point that Donald Trump himself put forward, and Bernie Sanders too, to a degree, that Washington is broken, that you can win the most amount of votes and still lose the presidency? Well, that's nothing. If, if Washington had broken on the basis of that, then Washington's been broken for, for 250 years or, or, or whatever it is, because the electoral college system has been, in its current form, has been in place since the early 19th century, and in fact goes back to the to the Declaration of Independence. Maybe it's the, time the, for the a change? Is it, sorry? is it time for a change? Oh, well, it might be, but I think the, the given the inertia of the American political system, plus the fact that it benefits some groups rather than others, means that that would be a constitutional change, which I think is, is very unlikely to be enacted. It is bizarre, because now this will be the second time in uh, in only four elections, because it happened in 2000 as well, when Gal Gore won the popular vote, but, but, but lost the election to, to George W. Bush. So it is deeply bizarre, but realistically, I, I'm afraid that's not going to change. Just looking back on polls from previous years Obama four points ahead in 2008 Obama four and a half three and three and a half four and a half points ahead ish in 2012 uh, we're seeing this where the two lines are separated then they meet then they they swap sides then they meet again and open up uh, we saw that on Brexit it's, it's becoming a bit of a common scene to see polls wide tighten swap tighten and wide again yeah, I wonder about that. You know, I mean, there is a lot of debate around about uh, about polls and uh, and how accurate those kind of shifts. There are ve- there are various vested interests involved. Uh, bear in mind, by the way, the whole bunch of other polls take place which we never see, which are the actual private polls conducted by the political parties. And it's quite possible that those are a bit more accurate because they're carried out for for a different reason. Think a little bit about these open polls in the United States, and you know, the same is true. The same is true here and in and in Europe and the UK as well. 
what are they? Who are they for? What kind of a product are they? And how does the market in which they are produced, the objectives in which they are produced, how does that affect the way in which they are produced? Um, I suppose what I'm saying here is that uh, traditionally, uh, most of these public opinion polls have been produced primarily by media organisations, usually newspapers, sometimes broadcasters. Now, we all know that the media is not in great shape at the moment in terms of its business model. One of the things that has already been put forward about what happened in the United States is that the quality and the number of polls decreased. And the reason for that is because newspapers are you know, under huge financial pressure. They can't spend as much money on these things. So they start looking for cheap options like computer-generated auto-robo-polls, those kinds of things. But the other thing that the media wants, and you know, there's been uh, great, you know, ample criticism of this. I think particularly of the the, the American media critic Jay Rosen. The media wants a horse race that it can cover and that can make it exciting, that that boosts ratings and that makes people buy newspapers more, at least at least in theory. And so, therefore, it wants this. Oh, look, he's in front. Oh no, he's falling behind. Oh no, she's in front. It wants to create this kind of dramatic narrative, even if there's no dramatic narrative there. And perhaps, and I'm just putting this forward as a possibility, perhaps that drives the media to overemphasize shifts in polls, which may be statistically insignificant. You see this in Ireland quite a lot, and I don't think anybody's innocent of it, and I've included us in the Irish Times from time to time. We run an opinion poll, and there's a big dramatic headline at the top that Fianna Fáil are down, that Fine Gael are up, or something like that. And you actually dig into the detail there, and it's a 1% or a 2% swing. And somewhere down in the news, newspaper article of the fifth paragraph or the sixth paragraph, it'll say the margin of error was 3%. So in other words, that swing doesn't matter. It's not news. But we are we are impelled to create news in, in one way or another. So I think there's a problem there with the with the hollowing out of the financing of media organizations, that that the, their needs and their imperatives driving them to read read polls in certain ways. And I think the other thing finally on on that point is that people have remarked quite a lot about the way in which these swings happen. Take for example the way in which Trump's numbers appear to slump when he had a bad performance at one of the debates. And they talk about a certain way that people behave. And that is that if you're a Trump supporter after the third debate when he was perceived to have done badly, you are less likely to agree to participate in the poll in the first place. And if you were a Clinton supporter, you you were more energized on that particular day and the days that followed. And that those kind of factors artificially kind of, you know, added some steroids to one side and another for a few days or so, which didn't actually reflect the reality of how people were going to vote. That's very interesting, especially considering the view we have in Ireland of American media organisations. I won't say any more on that. Uh, That's all the time we have. Hugh Lennon is culture editor of the Irish Times. He covers the arts, popular culture, society and media. Uh, You present the weekly Inside Politics podcast? I do indeed. Give that a listen. Thank you very much for joining me, Hugh. Cheers, Tom.